Listeners, we've got a treat for you. It's a special one, a special episode, number 50. We've been doing this for too long. We've been hurting ourselves with movies, but we're going to keep doing it for you. I don't know about you. you. I've been hurting myself with floggers and belts. (laughs) (laughs) Can we actually uh, start off with um, a Laffy Taffy joke? I would love to start off with a Laffy Taffy joke. It will be probably the funniest thing about the, no that's a lie um what do you call a curved snake what do i call a what a curved snake <laughs> his name banana conda just coincidentally also what the minions call their dicks i i i can vividly hear the minion voice like especially when one of them puts on like a speedo and it's like whoa speedo banana conda Well, now we've manifested that into the world. I can't wait yep. for the next Minions movie. I think they should put us in the next Minions movie. <clears throat> 50 Minions of Grey. We should have a prestige <clears throat> podcast that we release like every three or four months. Mm-hmm. Wherein we campaign to get into the next Minions movie. God, that's such a good idea. It's called Cat and Carol Be in Minions 3. Is Minions 3... I don't I don't even know how many Minions movies there have been or will be. There are infinite Minions movies because they are extraordinarily popular with children. That is a good point. Should we um, do our special thing before uh, it warms up too much? That's not a bad idea. Okay, yeah. so the last one was the Minions Rise of Gru in 2022. So there's a chance that there's going to be a Minions 3, in which case we should be in it. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Um, it's Minions now. Rise of the Minions, and the rise is the banana erection. Yes, the banana condo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this one is so much. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> and, and you know what? That's not going to be the only thing that seriously sucks in this episode. So we'll start you off with something kind of fun. Uh, yeah. If you'll indulge the trailer. At times, we make a promise we don't intend to keep. Cat, I'm quitting the podcast. But you can't quit until you try an egg cream. <laughs> well, this is what I have to do next episode, isn't it? But other times, we face the consequences. Fox's You Bet Syrup. Seltzer. Milk. In this episode, Kat and Kira try egg cream. Was that enough inception it's horns for you, Kira? It's perfect. It's exactly the right <laughs> number of inception horns. That's that's what all movie trailers aspire to be. The right number is too many. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So um, we are trying egg creams as per Kira's promise in the last episode. Mm-hmm. I have pre-frothed my milk and chocolate syrup because it's an ungodly Same. sound because you have to do it with a fork in glass. Yeah. Yeah, no, it wasn't. I, I didn't want to subject people to that. It's miserable. But we do have to now add our most of a glass of seltzer. 
Yeah, so I've actually taken the initiative and done a, a second glass also for oh. an experiment. We're, I'm going to do some science. I, I have Weird science I have, or regular type? Well, I have a bottle of regular seltzer, and then I have a or can of orange. orange. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, I'm actually... You know what? That's a good call. Okay, so let's try the regular. Yeah, let me... Um, you got your seltzer? One second. Okay. I need to make sure this isn't going to explode in my lap. That's fair. Oh, God. <laughs> this is a controlled release of gas. Um, I'm going to leave that one hanging in the air, which coincidentally is also what happens with most controlled releases of gas. <laughs> okay. All right. We're good. Um, I'm pouring. As Steve Urkel once said, shh, not while I'm pouring. <laughs> Beautiful audio. Okay. Okay. The deed is done. Uh, then, um, as Charles Martinet once said, here we go. <laughs> this fucking bangs. You know what? That's that's better than I was expecting. It's like, I mean, the only way to describe it is like a chocolate milk soda, right? Yeah. I've never had Which, Yoohoo. This is what I imagine Yoohoo tastes like. This is exactly what Yoohoo tastes like, only fizzy. Okay. Um, I am glad I, I um, got the good syrup, because mm-hmm. uh, I think this it could have gone bad if I just got, like, shitty Hershey's syrup or whatever the fuck. Or, like, store... Yeah, Hershey's, yeah. I will never recommend to anyone. We don't get Fox's U-Bet syrup without having to pay import duties in Canada, so I ended up using oh, store-brand chocolate syrup. But it's still a very good beverage. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so, science time. Can I, let you, can I let you in on a little secret while you're pouring your orange boy? Yeah. So, Emma has been drinking these pretty much all week because I bought the <laughs> seltzer and the syrup, and they were like, okay, I may as well try it. They've had, like, four... I'm okay. almost out of seltzer because they've had so many. <laughs> All right, I'm pouring orange, and I have had this. This is um, Kroger store brand uh, Mandarin orange flavored seltzer water. It is both zero calories and caffeine free. Yeah, because it's carbonated water. Yeah, but it's not carbonic acid free. There's no way to do that. Yeah, you like you can't really do that. You could nitrogenate your water. That would sounds bad. Uh, <laughs> have you ever had like a nitro stout? Nope. So instead of injecting CO two into the beer, they inject nitrogen into it, and it's still fizzy, but it's like a different. It's a different texture. Interesting. It's almost like creamier. That's weird. And um, the way that it bubbles up, you can actually, because the bubbles are actually heavier than the liquid, uh-huh. you actually watch them cascade downward and the That's beer so cool. clears from the bottom up. That's so cool. It's really neat looking. Okay, I'm going to try this. Mmm. <clears throat> that elevates the drink. Oh, so the orange is, I mean, Okay. Let's we think of it. Think about this logically, right? Like, yeah, it's Terry's chocolate oranges are universally beloved, right? Yes. Yeah. It, it tastes like one of those, but liquid it, it, in part because you do get to smash things and everyone loves to slam stuff against tables. Yes. Um, I don't recommend slamming a Terry's chocolate orange against your head to crack it, but <laughs> you could. 
I also don't recommend slamming a glass of this on the table. I do, however, recommend slamming in the back of a Dragula. <laughs> God damn it. Um, okay, this is a, a also equally stupid to that joke. Um, I was sitting in bed this morning, like, you know, trying to go back to sleep and not. Mm-hmm. And I came up with some alternative lyrics. It's the Weird Al Dragula parody. Okay. Um, so it's, um, the lyrics are, dig through the fishes and try some new dishes and pay at the back of my fishmonger. Rob's Fish Market, where the only fishy thing is the music rights. <laughs> God. Kat, I really Just recommend like, you try this with orange. I will have to, because we are almost out of seltzer, so I will go buy some orange seltzer and convince Emma that it's basically just liquid Terry's chocolate orange. Like, it it honestly kind of is. Like So, like, the reason why, and, like, I'm gonna explain a little bit, the reason why you only add, like, a quarter cup of milk and three tablespoons of chocolate syrup is to make it taste like you're drinking milk chocolate soda, rather than make it right. taste like you're drinking milk with chocolate syrup. Yeah. I'm I'm honestly, I'm glad for that choice. I think it would be really awful if it was like mostly milk with some bubbles. Yes, it, truly awful. I'm really glad I asked before I went to go prep it. Okay, so um, we should probably <clears throat> also include some content warnings in this episode as we go into the oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, so let's just start off by letting you know, obviously you can tell from the title and the cultural understanding of what is entailed by that title, that we have watched a movie about a BDSM relationship. Quote, unquote. Quote, uh, well, it, it is. Yeah. It, it is a BDSM relationship. It is not an example of a good one. Yeah. Uh, which also means that as we talk about this movie, we'll probably be bringing in, at least I will be bringing in, parts of my actual practical experience in the scene. Mm -hmm. So if you don't feel like listening to me talk about actual things that have happened, maybe skip this episode. Um, what else is there? Um, this episode deals with abuse a lot. Yeah. Gaslighting, uh, coercion, um, technical non-consent. Um, yeah, just... You know, it's fiction, so nobody was actually hurt while this movie was being filmed, Uh, but it's a bad example of literally everything. Yeah. And for a lot of people, it was their first introduction to the scene. And a bad example as an introduction sets up unreasonable expectations and sets up, frankly... Uh, people to be abused because they think that's normal. So, yeah. with all that said... Not normal. What did you think of this movie? Oh, such shit. <laughs> I have... This is the most notes that I have taken in many, many movies. I couldn't and... take many notes because it already took me four hours to watch a two-hour movie. If I had to, <laughs> like, disengage enough to take notes... This would have been like an all-day ordeal. I I watched this movie pretty much all the way through. Oh my god. I don't know how you did that. I was listening to Depeche Mode, and like half of their songs are about kink relationships, so it fit the theme and kept the magic moving all- Oh god, dairy. Not dairy (laughs) dairy for me, but you know. Uh, Yeah, it's I got milked. Um... 
You got a little creamy blast. <laughs> um, you know, maybe if you put on some jeans and told me that, I might change my mind about how I feel about that. But right the now, it jeans. sounds gross. Why? The- oh, okay. We should. We should. Did you have any like exposure to this series or anything before we watched this? I have not read the books. I have not seen the movies. Um, the full extent of what I know about this movie came from one episode of My Brother, My Brother and Me from, like, 2016. I Yeah, that's pretty much exactly where I was at, is that discussion from them, and then also a YouTube video where they had Gilbert Gottfried reading lines from the book. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm just gonna, like... There's there's a lot that I have to say about this movie because it's an awful movie that yeah. is, I think, predominantly saved by the intrigue that it causes with its cinematography and costuming choices. And I don't specifically just mean the Dom jeans. Mm. Because I... there's, there's a moment early on in the movie where uh, Chris Beige... Christian Grey, a.k.a. Chris Beige, like, old CB, grabs onto the table and, like, squeezes, and they do, like, a fucking Pride and Prejudice 2003 Darcy hand shot, and Uh Christian Grey is not Mr. Darcy. Christian Grey, whatever actor played him, not Matthew McFadden. Yeah. You can't pull a Darcy hand off in a shitty movie like this, unless it's something that E.L. James very explicitly included in the narration as like a camera focus in the literal fan fiction that this was based on. In which case, it's an intentional homage to the Darcy hand, executed so, so badly. But like... (laughs) because (laughs) I don't want to like rant for this entire episode but oh my god is this a fan fiction story oh yeah (laughs) it's 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 a mess like it to be honest I have written more compelling smut oh I have written more compelling kink I think probably a lot of people could and have I'm not a published multimillionaire author though I mean some people I just make a little transsexual podcast lucky. for like twelve listeners. Yeah, well, I, so, I, in some ways, I think I prefer what we do. Um, artistically, yes. Financially, no. Yeah, that no, that's true. If you um, w- would you uh, fuck a billionaire? How much money am I getting? Uh, depends. I guess. I mean, he'll buy you a car. Which billionaire? Uh. Because I know Grimes has done that calculus. Yeah. And I know which way Grimes decided. Yeah, that's true. Uh, um, I remember I remember when Grimes was just another depressed Tumblr girly. Like, what ab- very literally, Grimes' Tumblr is still there. What about um, Jeff Beesbo? Uh, I'm gonna need at least a B. Okay. <laughs> I think it would have to be a, like, uh, he dies under mysterious circumstances situation. That would be for marriage. Before long, yeah. What I'm I'm looking for is exactly a billion dollars from Jeff Bezos. For a fuck? Um, Specifically, 
a fuck where he gets to do whatever. Yeah. Uh, like, I'll, I'll negotiate to, like, you know, we'll have a contract signing. Except that they actually never fucking signed the contract. I did notice that. So, okay. So, I have one more... I have one more quick observation about the costuming in this case. In the first half of the movie, like, before she starts to engage in the kink with him, they're still just having sex and stuff like that, but, like, through that whole part of the movie, she's wearing this particular necklace... I don't know if you noticed the necklace. I did not. But to me, it was very reminiscent of a day collar. I was doing everything I could to not be paying attention to the movie. Okay, I was paying immediate and very careful attention to this movie as evidenced by the fact that I went into the symbolism of this necklace because it was a almost closed circle that Mm -hmm. was still broken at the top and bowed out and i think the incomplete circle necklace is very symbolic of the way in which she in some sense is in his view and maybe her own incomplete without a dominant i wonder if that was intentional it i think it is because as soon as he starts doming her she stops wearing the necklace Mm, okay yeah that tracks and I feel like, again, I'd have to go back and read these books, and I I won't. No, I absolutely s- not. simply won't. But that sort of detail feels like something pulled directly out of fanfic, because it is a real ham-fisted bit of symbolism. <laughs> uh, the... Her outfits were kind of all over the place, I felt like. Yeah, I mean, like, some of her out- outfits were very, um, like... 2010s hipster girl and then Mm. like eventually as she started to like fall into the lifestyle and start associating primarily with this billionaire her outfits classed up a bit and i I think that's just because she had she has someone else's money to spend now oh i i i don't even know that she's making those decisions he's probably just buying her shit that he wants to see her in yeah that's fair he probably had like someone take her measurements in her sleep so that he could outfit her with an entire new wardrobe that fits exactly perfectly from his Italian tailor. Yeah, no, he definitely did that, for sure. Every fucking Um, time he, like, randomly, like, showed up where she was and shit like that, I hated it. Oh my god, yeah. Not good. Really not. Really not good. (laughs) Really not good. I, I have a note here. Ask Kira if the rain is accurate. Uh, yeah, can okay. be. There, there are there are days like that. It is less. So I have... It's less rainy than the stereotypes would have you believe, but you do get days that are pretty fucking wet. That checks out. I think from my knowledge of how people tend to exaggerate and generalize weather phenomena. Yeah, and I think part of it may be like sort of propaganda put out by um people who live in seattle and don't want other people to move here i could see that that makes sense okay so my thought is that the rain is symbolic because the way that that conversation went maybe she felt dirty after the conversation and she has to be washed clean by the rain Mm. again ham-handed metaphors yeah they did It was not a subtle movie. No, there's nothing subtle about this movie. And there, so like, you know, ostensibly this is 
the like people found this like hot right like that was a thing yeah somehow unquestionably a thing is that people were like i'm into this this is hot did you think it was hot I can point to exactly two points in the movie where I thought it was hot. Okay, go. The spanking scene mm-hmm. and the belt scene. Okay. I I would say I got across the, the whole duration of the movie, maybe four to five collective seconds of arousal. Like light, uh, it was, light arousal. Yeah, very, and very, very light. Most of that was not during the sex scenes. Okay, that's f- the the spanking scene worked for me. I think. Yeah, yeah, I that one was good. Um, but like, that's because that was like the closest thing that they ever got to an actual consensual kink scene. Yeah, and I think a lot of the a lot of it for me was like what little effect it did have was not that it was like a a sexy portrayal of anything and more that like it was enough of a shade of something interesting that my brain could just sort of fill in the missing parts and go okay. ah, I kind of want that. For me it was the pain faces she was making. Um I want that for me. Yeah, there was there was definitely uh, some which at, at a few like, points is, there was a, I want that for me. It's been way too long. Yes, and th- there's like very much a like it, you know maybe that was the appeal, but like I don't know. And no offense to this actor, but boy howdy, did they pick a potato face guy? <laughs> he. <laughs> I have I have worked with men who look exactly like him. He looks like he manages an enterprise. Like his fucking upside down T of titty hair. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like it's his chest hair was so bad. Yeah, no, it was d- distracting for sure. The first time his shirt came off, I was it's not what I was expecting. Um, so I, I have, like, a bunch of angry things that I've written in my notes. Oh, yeah, um, I have girl, a Girl, you're of, a literature like... student. How are you not seeing the insane amounts of symbolism in this relationship? <laughs> um, uh, I was, every time, like, he, like, found out where she worked and showed up at her job, or, like, found her address and mailed her something, or, like, showed up to the meal she was having with her mom in Georgia. Or... Uh, Paid his way to be the commencement speaker at her graduation. God. And, like, I was already at Red Flag Central when he showed up at the hardware store. Yeah. And was, like, buying tape and zip ties and rope. Now, um, so I I wrote, no, 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 stop, do not pass go, do not collect $200, stop buying BDSM equipment at the hardware store. That length of rope is way too short. Stop, stop, stop. (laughs) Uh, I am, like, I have to imagine, given all the equipment he has at home, that that was just as a, like, conversation starter with her. It was a tease, for sure. Yeah. But it's still, like, like, it's not good. Don't. It was very much, like, uh, it was, it was him dropping hints, Mm -hmm. right? Like, the zip ties, the tape, the, uh, frankly, abysmally small length of rope. Like, you, 
The thing is, that also kind of screams like weird serial killer. And the fact that yes, he just showed up at His her work. His are extremely serial killer. Yeah. Um, and then there's this part where uh, he, like, touches her face and she, like, leans into his hand with her eyes closed uh-huh. with, like, a very blissed out face. And that doesn't happen in real life. That's a fan fiction trope. Yeah. Uh, just, like, straight up, if a weird, strange man touches my face, I'm not going to lean into it because of his animal magnetism. No. I'm going to say, stop touching me, and then I'm going to pull out some bear mace. Yeah. There was one thing. As they were um, getting to know each other more, pre Was it the love bombing? Uh, because he love bombs the oh, shit out of her. Yeah, no, that was also extremely not good. The The thing that, like, destroyed me was when he told her to do research. <laughs> <laughs> and she just... Google image searches the word submissive. <laughs> I fucking... I died. I died laughing at that. It was so fucking funny. Like, yeah, that'll tell you all you need to know. Just look at a couple of pictures. You're fine now. Okay, so I'm going to go to Google Images, and I'm going to search submissive. (laughs) Um, So it's a lot of Amazon links for uh, kink books, which is what one would expect. And that's on the images? Yep. Fascinating. Because Amazon pays to have their shit promoted way to the top. Mm-hmm. So it's like Amazon, Rakuten, Amazon, Audible, Rakuten, Amazon, Huffington Post, Amazon again. And a website called Coffee and Kink. I do actually recommend reading Coffee and Kink. That's a very good website for like BDSM articles. Um, I have one here, um, being a submissive with ADHD. Oh. Which is written by Red Riding Brat. <laughs> so good. That's, that's choice. Uh-huh. So, like, good website, actually. Maybe do give this one a check, give this one a look-see, because, um, it's coffeeandkink.me. If you're looking for maybe some better examples of it, that's probably a good place to go. Yeah. Uh, um, you could also <clears throat> read any of Raven Caldera's books. Um, Lee Harrington has some very good books. What you shouldn't do is Google the word submissive, look at two pictures, and then get freaked out. And then consider yourself well-researched. Because that's what she did. Uh, yeah, that... Mm-hmm. I like. I feel like if you're going to get into the lifestyle, you need to, at the very least, read Midori. Have you? I, I'm I gonna. Have, I have not. Okay. Um, she's a very prolific author who is um like an actual trained sexologist. Okay. Um, and writes a lot about like kink and sex education specifically i've taken a rope class with her it was a lot of fun actually nice you know here's the deal um there's a lot of people you can read or you could go to like a kink conference and literally meet the people who write the books on this shit and they will be happy to talk to you at length about the types of things you should expect and the ways consent needs to be observed like yeah like she really could have used that. He could use that. <laughs> um, here's okay. This this takes place in Seattle, and uh, there's w- one thing that is in Seattle is the Center for Sex Positive Culture, 
which is fa- a fantastic organization that does a lot of like uh uh like instructional seminar type things on all sorts of stuff um so the fact that they're in seattle and doing that badly makes me uh, annoyed it, it, it like so the, the I've, I've i remembered the reason i fucking hate this movie is because this whole series goes on to blame, and I do mean blame, his dominant streak on the fact that he was groomed and sexually assaulted by a dominant as a child. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Like, it it feels like this is kink written for vanilla people because it's just, it's meant to be so, so scary that you don't ever actually engage with the lifestyle. Hang on one second. I just spilled my shit all over. (laughs) (laughs) One second. Okay, so, uh, listeners, while Kira's gone, I do have to tell you, um, there was a brief moment where I listened, uh, during the negotiation scene, because I was like, okay, I want to see how they actually do this negotiation, and at one point she does ask, what are butt plugs? And, it's the single most hilarious part of this movie is a grown adult woman being like, what are butt plugs? And then immediately getting interrupted by people bringing her sushi. <sighs> <laughs> That's bad. Why would... Yes. <laughs> it's like, okay, but that's the thing. Like, this girl is so fucking innocent. Uh, like, I believe Christian... Chris Beige does actually take her virginity based on the things you've told me about it. Yep. From the reviews. Um, I don't think she can give informed consent. No, absolutely not. I don't think at any point she actually is clearly able to give consent until the end of the movie when she, like, this is from what I've scene of the reviews when she like asks him to do his worst that is the first time she has actively consented to something and then he respects her boundaries to his credit he respects her boundaries when she says no that is good and that is the one saving grace of this entire movie now that is after he does a whole hell of a lot of not respecting her boundaries or the fact that they still haven't signed their contract Like, at public events that I have been to, I've had to sign contracts specifically stating that I consent to stuff so that the people organizing the event don't get sued. And you have to use your legal name because it is a legally binding consensual contract. Like, you can't just say, here's a contract, let's do everything that the contract says we're going to do before we sign the contract. But she did wrap the string around the thing on the envelope so that's basically like signing i was technically i was cheating and listening at that point and she says i will review the changes we've made and i'll let you know if i'm going to sign so she very explicitly communicates that she is not fully in consent or in agreement with the contract until she's had a chance to read and sign it and she never fucking signs it and he just does it anyway i wonder if she signs it in the book and they just didn't include it in the movie. No, because it's a very important plot point in the second movie. Ah. So it's it's not like this is just like a, a small oversight. 
cool guy. I did notice in the, he, yeah, real, real cool. Good job respecting consent. Um, I gotta say, uh, the thing that I, another thing I did like, um, in the contract to codify using the stoplight system. I did notice that. And I'm a big proponent of using the stoplight system in tabletop RPGs and in kink, um, because they're kind of the same thing. There's a lot of overlap at the very least. Like when, when you get down to it, it's it's kind of just like playing pretend with characters, except in kink scenes you don't have character sheets, it's more of a LARP. Yeah. I guess you don't typically roll dice. Although you could. Um, they have those sex dice. Yeah, but those are awful. <laughs> those are awful and nobody should use them. <laughs> those were those were created by the people this is this movie was for. <laughs> <laughs> the one that I love is when you accidentally roll kiss mouth and it's like <laughs> okay. this is supposed to spice things up <laughs> okay I'll, I'll kill my spouse <laughs> yeah real sexy or, um, I, it, there's some animated show of some sort like one of those adult animation cartoons where um, they were rolling the sex dice and kept rolling lick feet <laughs> And only lick feet. (laughs) (laughs) I rolled lick feet again! I mean, for some people, that wouldn't be a downside. No, but like, you know, if you're trying to spice things up, and you're only rolling one thing, and it's lick feet. Again, just to clarify, nothing against people who like feet. But like, you know, it's not the entirety of what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, like, at least get, like, an ankle in there or something. <laughs> okay, so, um, I w- a couple of other things that I liked about this movie. Um, the organization in his playroom. Uh, yeah, there was, the room was pretty. I'll the room was very well organized. Um, I'm a little bit upset we didn't get a shot of underneath the bed to see if there was a cage down there. Mm, you have to assume, right? Yeah, but they show us so many other things. I mean, like, they show the, like, fur floggers. They show multiple um, caning rods. They show um, various floggers. Now, here's the thing that I don't get. Honestly, they probably just couldn't afford it. Those things are expensive. That's true. That's huge for the- You could fake one for the props department. The props true. department could do that easy. That's true. You really only need the front side of the, like- fucking thing because you're only showing like a three-quarter shot of it yeah um what i don't get is with all of those floggers that he has none of them are a matched set that's true i didn't even notice that until you pointed it out and now i hate it And how are you meant to do florentine flogging without a matched set of floggers (sighs) rich people have no taste it, truly, like he goes, he ex- he spares no expense on these things, but he also doesn't do Florentine flogging. I don't think so. Every flogger I know who is worth their salt is really into Florentine flogging because it is the ultimate expression of your skill as a flogger. Because you have to be working two hands at the same time in exact harmony. It's it's like playing the drums, only the drum is usually someone's posterior <laughs> and the drumsticks are strips of leather. It's basically the same thing. 
Yeah, it's like um, those wire brush drumsticks, you know, that the ones that jazz bands use all the time. Uh-huh. It's like that, but with leather. But with leather. <laughs> and less rigid. Now, I do have some other observations about this movie, if you don't mind me continuing to scream about how bad this movie is. Uh, please, please do. Um, and maybe this isn't so much about how bad this movie is as much as it is about, like, our general cultural landscape. Yeah, this movie I have thoughts was about this. written, like, the screenplay was written by, and the film was directed by, a woman. Yep. Two different women, specifically. Um, and yet. And yet, the entire film is, despite supposedly being based on Anna's POV, because E.L. James did write three sequels to this franchise that are from... Chris Beige's POV. So despite the fact that we are ostensibly getting her POV, she's still the object of object like of sexualization. She's still objectified by the camera. Yeah. In ways that he isn't. Yeah. What are we fucking and doing? It's it's still dripping with this male gaze despite being a movie that is intentionally marketed to be the movie for like escapist fantasy for women, right? Like, yeah, there's so much going on with that, that like, it's a movie made to appeal to women that still very dramatically objectifies her pleasure and objectifies her tits and doesn't really put anything into his sexuality. I mean, I think other than his giant jackhammer thrusts. <laughs> God, that was so unappealing. <laughs> what the fuck is he doing? Ah. Uh... That was, like, genuinely the worst part of all of the sex scenes. But what I was saying is, like, this is obviously made by someone with very little imagination. Yes. Here's my question, though. Do you think she came at any point? Not a single time. No. I tend to agree. There's absolutely no way. Um, so I, I I have two observations here. Number one... I think this movie and this entire franchise would have been better if it was a woman dominating a Twinkie-looking dude that she's feminizing. Yes! Like... Give me that! Imagine how much better that would be. Yes! Please. I need that. I would actually watch and or read that. You know, part of the appeal of feminization as a as a kink is specifically the non-consensual aspects of it. I just don't think the culture is necessarily ready for a book like that. What would you call it? Well, um, I will tell you that you can just play the game because there's a really good game that does exactly that. Really? What's it called? It's called Secretary. Okay. And there are options for identifying as trans as you feminize or continuing to identify as male, um, bisexual options, strictly heterosexual options, multiple trans characters. It's in fact really good is and this you a... might end up accidentally losing multiple days to it. Is this a tabletop game or? No, it is a, um, it's like a browser porn game. Okay. Um, it's, I, you know, I won't give too much, but it's a, it's a well-constructed and extraordinarily long game. Like, it's not even out of, it's not even out of, like, alpha with a full release yet, but, like, there are 1.2 million words of dialogue. Oh, Jesus. 
This is probably longer than all three Fifty Shades books. And a lot of choose-your-own-adventure stuff. Good god. And, like, there's actually multiple endings, so it's replayable. Oh, I love that. Um, I'll just drop a link here in chat. Not putting any of the links that I have sent to Kira in the episode description. You're just gonna have to use Google Foo. <laughs> Um, so anyway, play that game instead of reading these books or watching these movies is, is my first point. My second point, why he take his shirt off like that? Mm, well, he... It's like he pulls it up from the back and pulls it over his head, but like very specifically pulls it by the collar. Yeah, that is really weird. I wonder if this is how the actor does it in his everyday life or if he was directed to do that. I can almost guarantee he was directed to do that because that feels like something straight out of a romance novel, right? Because it's a way that like really shows showcases his flexibility and mm, his muscle his muscles and yeah, like you know, it's like notably different. It's notably different, so it's like attractive because it is so notably different and so very specifically highlighting of whatever attractiveness he has. I, I, this guy did absolutely nothing for me. See, so here's the thing, Kara, are you attracted to men? Great question. (laughs) Generally speaking. Generally, no. Uh, I get, you know, I'd say generally no for me as well. Um, in fact, this movie might have actually just made it a full no. Yeah, it, it certainly did not help. Um, so we put two lesbians through the most heterosexual movie literally out there. We did do that, didn't Why we? Why did we think this was going to be a good time? Because it had 50 in the name and it's our 50th episode. That's we could have just watched 50 first reason. dates. We could have watched Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore and there still would have been a non-consensual no. relationship. <laughs> but it's us and our podcast. And it's a topic we deal with a lot. Okay, okay. I also have one other grape. Funny. I have one other grape. Go. It is very funny that we did this for ourselves. Um, This is just a directing choice. I think the text message and social media cut in um, is just so hacky. Bad. Like it, it never, it never works as a way to communicate. And I get that you have to like respect the original medium of you know the f- fucking hundred thousand word fic posted on Ao3 or whatever. Yeah. Um. Like you know, shout out to the organization for transformative works. Everyone who works and volunteers there does amazing things, and has to put up with a whole hell of a lot of bullshit for free. Um. But. You know, they're an archive. There's no quality assurance. Yeah. They let me publish stuff on there. <laughs> I. It's just, like, the thing is, there's good fanfic out there, right? There like, is. There's objectively well-written good fanfic. I've, I've read some really good stuff. Um, I point everyone who has ever watched an episode of No Reservations to towards reading No Reservations Narnia which is a whole episode of No Reservations with Anthony Bourdain written about the time Anthony Bourdain goes to Narnia. (laughs) And it so beautifully nails his gonzo style of journalism. It so beautifully understands what makes Anthony Bourdain, like, as a writer, or what made him as a writer, 
be so compelling and like it, it he's it, the characterization is uncanny uh, someone once showed him the fic and he said it was both flattering and disturbing <laughs> and it made him want to have a drink <laughs> uh, read that right like read i mean fucking read taskmaster fan fiction oh my god taskmaster fan fiction my beloved <laughs> I adore Taskmaster fanfic. <laughs> There's some really good Locked Tomb fanfic. Um, if you happen to like the Nine Worlds series by Victoria Goddard, boy howdy, do I have some fanfiction I've written for you. <laughs> I've literally written mm. fic for one fandom mm. ever. Um, that's a lie. I've also written a little Chicks with Dice thing that I put up there. Um... And, you know, I have, like, 15,000 words of Star Wars fic that I'm sitting on because I don't want to publish it yet because it's not ready. But we'll get there. Yeah. All I'm saying is there's better porn out there. There's better porn. Made by better people. There's better movies. This fucking thing, there's, like, almost no narrative. Like, nothing fucking happens. That is very specific to, like, explicit fics. Yeah, like, it's just, like, there's no, like, conflict, really. It's That I disagree with. Like, there's, there's like, friction in their relationship and stuff, but, like, I don't know, it just felt very empty to me. Granted, I didn't hear any of the dialogue, so maybe there was exposition yeah. central there. I mean, so, like, the, the, the whole, like, gist of the movie is that it's about her coming to terms with the fact that what she wants and what he wants from the relationship are different. Yeah. He wants a full-time submissive who is not a partner, but rather a plaything. Yeah. And she wants a partner. Yep. They are not fundamentally compatible. Which is why it sucks that they end up together at the end and have mm. two kids together. That is really unfortunate. The whole third movie, she's pregnant. Ugh. Was was the author Mormon or was that Twilight? That, that's Twilight. Okay. There's still very much it's some very... like despite the fact that it's literally a kink fic. It's very it's, like it's got some real Mormon guts. It's got it's got it's definitely got some serious like bored housewife energy. Um, uh, cause so the the because like uh you know for the oh my god words for the people who don't know 50 shades of gray was originally twilight fan fiction which means you cannot extract the mormonism from it yeah the mormonism is inextricably tied into 50 shades of gray it is so hard to wash that shit out i have been trying for like 15 years i mean like i have not been catholic for at least that same amount of time it's hard to get rid of that stuff yeah you know like i still deal with a lot of guilt about feeling good yeah yeah uh you know the one thing i do think i appreciate that catholicism gave me was the fact that because everything the pope says is canon (laughs) you have People who are literal professional arguers who try to reconcile thousands of years of Catholic history with um, whatever is just being said by the Pope now. Uh-huh. 
Love that. And I think that's a good setup for coming into Judaism, where you then have a couple of extra thousand years of argument that makes it even more fun. That is so much better than the Mormon tradition of same deal with the head guy, except you very specifically do not argue with it or interrogate it in any way. Yeah, um, like, the one that I, so like, having done some research and learned a few things, I, are you familiar with why tea and coffee are banned? Uh, like historically, not dogmatically. Uh, I think so. It's been a while. Uh, so basically, when they were still in New York, Old Joe Smith noticed that a bunch of the young followers were going to coffee shops and tea houses and being exposed to new ideas. So he said, actually, God says you're not allowed to have tea or coffee anymore so that they wouldn't leave. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like, it was very much a um, no rice on Tuesdays cult tactic. Uh, Yeah, and then also uh, the, like no tobacco thing was uh basically his wife got tired of cleaning up after church meetings in their house look uh, you know like i'm not gonna say that no tobacco is necessarily I mean, a bad they thing ended up in the in, in a in a good spot there but <laughs> you can't you got to the wrong conclu- you got to the right conclusion the wrong way yeah okay what else do you have to say about this movie if anything before we move on to the um summary and or um reviews el james you owe me four hours of my life i it i i feel as though i am owed at least two and a half i had so much trouble with this fucking thing oh it was one of the worst movies we've done in terms of like ability to stay with it for me that's fair um this was probably the most compelling for me fair in a real long time because I felt the need to just eviscerate it. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to do that. And I just, like, my brain would not have any of it. So did you know that this movie came out in IMAX? Woof, them some big nips. It's just, like, um, you can't spell climax without IMAX. Y- you know, you're not wrong. Um, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 50 Shades of Grey is a 2015 American erotic romantic drama film directed by Sam Taylor Johnson from a screenplay by Kelly Marcel. The film is based on E.L. James' 2011 novel of the same name and stars Dakota Johnson, Jamie Dornan, aka Potato Face, <laughs> uh, Jennifer L., and Marsha Gay Harden. That's such a good name. <laughs> yeah. It's the first installment of the Fifty Shades film series. The story follows Anastasia Steele, played by Dakota Johnson, a college graduate who begins a sadomasochistic relationship with young business magnate Christian Grey Dornan. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, 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 sorry. Distracted by the fact that Danny Elfman did the music. Oh, what? Um, it checks out. <laughs> I've listened to Oingo Boingo before. <laughs> can, you, can you fucking imagine Danny Elfman scoring a sex scene? Fuck, that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> 
What again? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Really, I, I, I want to be done with this so I can get to my Friday night. Okay. Oh my god, Danny Elfman in the studio. Penning. Okay, this is the way we're going to write this fuck scene. We're going to score it with some vibro slap. It's thematic. I guess because John Williams said no. Oh my god. Fuck. (laughs) Okay. 21-year-old Anastasia Anna Steele is an English lit major at Washington State University's satellite campus near Vancouver, Washington. When her roommate Kate Cavanaugh becomes ill and is unable to interview Christian Gray, a 27-year-old billionaire entrepreneur, for the college newspaper, Anna agrees to take her place. At Christian's Seattle headquarters, she stumbles her way through the meeting. Christian, who is that year's WSU commencement speaker, takes interest in her. Soon after, he visits the hardware store where Anna works. Don't know how he found that out. Mm, Yeah, not good. And offers to to do a photo shoot to accompany the article she interviewed him for. Christian invites Anna for coffee, but leaves abruptly after she confesses to being a romantic, saying he's, quote, not the man for her. He later sends her first edition copies of two Thomas Hardy novels, including Tess of the D'Ubervilles, as a gift, with a quote from the latter book about the dangers of relationships on an accompanying card. This is the first example of his love bombing That's out the of the reading Wikipedia. Thing. Yes, it's that is the some unsolicited I- gift of tremendous value so that you create this feeling in your victim because that's what she is you create this feeling that she owes you something and also the that's one of the, the dangers of love bombing the fucking like here's why you shouldn't want a romantic relationship is fucking an unhinged thing to send someone unprompted uh-huh Jesus Christ. Um, Anna and her friends celebrate graduation at a local bar. After drinking too much, she calls Christian, saying she's returning the books and berating him for his behavior toward her. He goes to the bar to find her, (gasps) arriving just as her photographer friend, Jose Rodriguez, attempts to kiss her against her will. Anna is suddenly sick. The next morning, she wakes up in Christian's hotel room, relieved that they were not intimate. Anna and Christian begin seeing each other, though he insists that she sign a non-disclosure agreement preventing her from revealing details about their relationship. He explains that he engages in sexual bondage relationships, but only as defined in a contract between the participants. That is a bald-faced fucking lie. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because he does a lot of bondage relationship stuff with her without her signing the fucking contract. Yeah. Ooh. Anna reveals that she's a virgin. While considering the agreement and negotiating her own terms after visiting his, quote, playroom, a room stocked with BDSM toys, furniture, and gear, and jeans, she and Christian have conventional sex. No, they don't. I'm sorry, is that conventional? <laughs> no. Is the fucking, is the fucking I am no man thrust? 
It's the it's the fucking Eowyn it's stab fucking, that he does with his a, dick. A killing blow. <laughs> Truly impaling her. Uh, like that's like physically improbable to to pull that off. First of all, his, yes, he's, he's got very incredible aim. <laughs> I think he might have already been like. It was. He had to have had the tip pre-lined up, and then just like, yum. He was going like know. hands-free though. I don't know. It was. It, it was, was fucked. Ghoulish is what it was. Speaking of which, the next morning she meets Christian's adoptive mother Grace, who unexpectedly arrives. <laughs> Christian bestows a series of gifts and favors upon Anna, including a new car and a laptop. Again, love bombing. This is a sign of abuse. After she and Kate move to Seattle, she continues seeing him. During dinner at his parents' home, Anna suddenly mentions she's leaving the next day to visit her mother in Georgia. Later, Christian becomes frustrated when she says she wants more than a one-sided relationship that he proposes. She's shocked when Christian shows up in Georgia. He takes her air gliding, then returns to Seattle to tend to a business emergency. Now, here's just a couple quick things. Um, he's fully trying to finger her while she's talking to his parents. Yeah. We did not talk about that. That was but real questionable. Like, he hit the he does not like And he gets real pissy when she stops him. Yes. Like, you Ugh. need to have hard limits, which is why you sign a fucking contract, except oops, they haven't signed their fucking contract. <sighs> This whole thing is a fucking nightmare. Yup. After returning home, Anna continues seeing Christian, who wants further sexual experimentation. She initially consents, but he remains emotionally distant, upsetting her. While considering the contract, and in an effort to understand Christian's psychology, Anna asks him to demonstrate how he would punish her for rule-breaking. Uh, she specifically, like, asks him to do his worst so that she'll know what to expect, and he hits her, like, three times with a belt and makes her count it out loud, and, um... Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm jaded, but like, that's his worst? She quits after three? Maybe he's like, really strong. You gotta get to at least ten. I... Like... I the, I didn't have the context of her asking I've done 25 do before I had to quit. Sorry, what did you say? I was not paying enough attention to have the context of her asking him to do his worst. Uh, so that scene to me very much read like uh, he was mad at her and taking it out on her. And that is not good. In this case, it was specifically a actual consenting action. And when she asked him to stop, he stopped. <sighs> That's good. That's better than uh, better than what I thought it was, I guess. But also, like, uh, get it together, Anna Steele. You should be able to do more than three. Yeah, you're supposed to have buns of steel. Speaking of people named Steel, uh, have I told you about Doom Patrol and asked you to watch Doom Patrol yet? No. Okay, so it's technically a DC Comics television series, but it stars Brendan Fraser as I love that. Cliff Steele, aka Robot Man, and it adapts a couple of the Doom Patrol plots that were written by Gerard Way. Love that. Mm-hmm. And also, it's just like, you know, there's a pretty decent amount of queer shows out there. None of them are really doing it like Doom Patrol, though. That's okay. I'll have like, to check it out. You know... It's. I can't tell you about it without spoiling a lot of it, but 
like everyone ends up like all of the characters end up having like a little bit of like a metaphorical representation of certain aspects of the queer community and i think it's really neat to see that played out on screen in a really meaningful way yeah that is cool um and you should watch doom patrol in fact i would recommend watching two hours worth of doom patrol instead of watching 50 shades of gray yeah that's a good call are we done with the okay thing um i would like to just get you some information on its awards okay um it was nominated for six razzies and won five well done to them i guess they tied for worst picture with fantastic four they lost worst director to fantastic four (laughs) they won worst actor worst actress um they were not nominated for supporting actor or supporting actress um but worst screen combo they also won beating out paul blart mall cop 2 that's an impressive feat which is to say they beat out kevin james and his segue as the worst on screen combo (laughs) god uh so let's hear some of these reviews okay b crawford gives us one star and titles the review highly recommend (laughs) okay (coughs) and it reads i actually enjoyed the movie a lot as i did the books i will happily see all the other movies in this franchise the movie left out very little from the book and played out like a lifetime movie network wet dream why did i love this movie so much because I like the book, this movie ma- because like the book, this movie made horrible look like an art form. And if a person can forget their scruples and feminist ideals and strong opinions on healthy relationships at the door, then you too can find this movie as amusing and and entertaining as I did. Important note. I. Uh, <laughs> Important note. Yeah. This movie is not sexy at all. The sex scenes are beyond boring. I actually skipped over most of them in the book. Christian is also not sexy. He actually reminds me of a half-witted serial killer who is stalking his prey in the most awkward way possible. And Anastasia... Oh my god, he's like... He's like a worse Patrick Bateman! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's what I've been looking for. He's like a less charismatic American psycho. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> and and Anastasia is DOA at best. I was sad we didn't get any of her lame inner monologue. Dare I say my inner goddess was disappointed. And the chemistry between the actors was non-existent. Like that shizzle couldn't even have been lit with a blowtorch. But I tell you all, this was <laughs> made, this made the movie that much more epic. So I say, if you are in the mood for one hell of an excruciatingly bad movie, then Fifty Shades for the win. Yeah, you know, um... Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. Look, there's a lot to be said about how deeply unsexy this movie it's, is. This is a... It's... It's nothing. But I'm going to come back to the spanking scene because the pain faces were actually pretty good. And that is the one saving grace for the sexualized aspects of this movie. There, I'll allow it. J. Kim gives us one star and titles the review, Oof, if you like posers and Calvin Klein ads. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, 
like he really did dress like shit. Like, yeah. that's the thing. He's a billionaire. Put him in some fucking handmade Italian suits. Stop dressing him out of, like, the fucking J. Crew catalog. Uh, <clears throat> well, <laughs> while Johnson looked the part, hardly a lit major who would even, who even would pick up these books on her own accord. Oof and him oof. A Calvin Klein ad or runway pose in each shot is his idea of a CEO. Not even a hint of foster child adoptee with crack mom, his curly top vein. Uh-uh. Hell no. It's a weird Amazon thing they flashed this 2015 has been to test commentators and CEO assistants to wince through and think, hey, in our time, is this plausible versus Oliver Fifth of a law firm with cavalry in 1970 phenomena that saved Paramount. It was a weird read, and the masquerade ball was lost me here in abridged read, ugh. To have these with fundraisers who for centuries want an organization supported, it was vomitous oof. Vomitous is exactly how it described this yes. movie, actually. Yes. In fact, if I open my notes back up, because I did close them because I was done reading them, I did actually describe the movie as vomitous. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> See the light, that's the letter C. The light gives this one star and titles a review, ugh, and it reads, Sounds crazy, but I had to watch this for research. Not that kind of research. Anyway, what a clunker. Cliché after cliché, and what the heck do these two see in each other? It's definitely a moaner, but not the good kind. Yeah, uh, more of a groaner than a moaner. Yeah. <clears throat> Just a bill. So... <laughs> Uh, gives us four stars. A title's a review. Girlfriend loved it. And it reads, If my girlfriend puts this movie on, it has become her code for informing me that any restrictions have been lifted for the night, so drink plenty of fluids and maybe do a little stretching. I personally... <laughs> oh. <laughs> we hate, you hate to see it. <clears throat> Communicate. Use healthy communication. Just talk. If you're horny, just say so. <laughs> uh, I personally don't really care for the movie a whole bunch, other than the fact that What's-Her-Name is a sexy little so-and-so with a purdy set of titties. But I... <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> That said, I, I, I do gotta, like, uh, get, put it out there. Pretty confidence building to have bigger tits than a cis woman. True. Uh, I, <laughs> it seems like the rest of the world loves the movie. In all honesty, it also seems to be kind of a gateway into more explicit movies. People who have never watched porn because of the stigma or whatever begin to open up and want a more revealing experience that inevitably leads to a desire to experiment with more adventurous activities. So what the hell? I guess love the thing for opening doors, if nothing else, beyond what's-her-name's purdy little titties. <laughs> it says purdy? It says purdy, P-U-R-D-Y. <laughs> God, I think I think we should instate the purge, but specifically <laughs> only for these yes. people. Uh, <clears throat> if you've reviewed at length Fifty Shades of Grey, you're eligible to be killed during the purge. Ooh. Amber gives it four stars. Title right. is the review. Unrated version is disappointing. I am not sure why I bought the extended unrated edition. 
There was nothing different except for the ending. In fact, I thought maybe I had the wrong copy until I viewed the regular version and they were still pretty much the same. If I buy something that's unrated, I expect it to be different than the R-rated version I paid to see in the theater. I still liked the movie and was happy to see it after reading the books. I would have rated it three stars, but that says it's okay. Well, it was better than okay. Just disappointing. Yeah, disappointing is right. Yeah. <sighs> Actually, we should look up what the difference between unrated versus regular is. Uh, <clears throat> according to some other reviews, oh, it okay. was literally just, like, the ending. Um, there's an extra shot of Anna's tits at 4320. Real spicy. And one extra, one extra hip motion from Christian before the camera pans up to his above bed mirror. Wow. That might have been the stab. <laughs> um, at 5510, when Anna is driving home, Christian stops by a lake for a quick chat about his contract. For whatever reason, his speech changes ever so slightly in the unrated version. We got another shot of Anna making moon eyes. So really not worth it was cut they needed to have they, they cut like two lines of dialogue and like three seconds of moon eyes mm -hmm. so that they could re and then they it. added that yep. back in to sell a new version yep. <clears throat> at an hour and 11 seconds christian reads his contract in voiceover and we get an extra shot of anna drinking with her co-workers while christian atones about how his submissives will quote not drink to excess there's also that one extra shot of her jogging while Christian drones on about physical activity at one minute, at one hour, four minutes. After going for a long run, Anna's surprised by Christian, who's furious she tried to get rid of him. Learn to take a joke, Christian. In this sweaty sex scene, we once again get another couple extra shots of Anna and Christian. 1720. Do you ever wonder how Anna got home from her graduation? The unrated edition tells you the, the answer to this question. <laughs> Christian drove her there. Oh, wow. Hour 29.43. Now we're talking. This scene, set to Beyonce's fabulous, slowed-down version of Crazy in Love, shows Christian using his riding crop on Anna's pussy <laughs> and her behind a little bit more. Oh. At hour 37, Anna and Christian exchange texts as she gets on a plane to visit her mom. It's sweet but decidedly lacking in a money shot. At two hours exactly, the biggest change of all comes at the two-hour mark in the original movie. The film ends with Anna getting on the elevator and leaving Christian behind. In the unrated version, however, there's an alternate ending that mostly just shows Anna crying a lot. And that's it. Cool. The movie really should have ended at the elevator close. Yeah, that would be a good ending for a movie. Which is, yeah, <clears throat> why it did in the theatrical release. <laughs> I have one more review that I want to touch on together. Um, we're touching the we're review touching together? We're touching the review together. Thank <laughs> um, Do we have to sign a contract first? No. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, so this one is a review by Clarity of Mind, who gives it four stars. Okay. It sounds like a person who makes hypno kink content. <laughs> the title of the review... Of the review. <laughs> is lol lots of fun for classic sci-fi buffs <laughs> so, and it reads what it reads this is sci-fi in its original form when people could expect low production values but it was fun interesting and some of the concepts were definitely scary this is an excellent buy, simply for the brain that wouldn't die, which I saw as a child. Obviously, it left an impression. Although it is a simplistic film, it still had some scare to it. I haven't even checked the others, but it is worth, worth the purchase price, just for the fun of it. Boo! Enjoy! Uh, my guy, you reviewed <laughs> the wrong purchase. What? 
movie do we think this person is reviewing? I believe it is a 50 classic horror movies DVD collection that he is attempting to review. <laughs> that makes so much sense, actually. Just, just saw the 50 and went, fuck it, I'll review. Uh, yeah, so The Brain That Wouldn't Die is a 1962 American science fiction horror film um, about a brain that won't die. As brains are wont to do. One more bonus review. Jason Crouch gives it one star and titles the review. It's just porn more for like women. More like review. <laughs> bonus review. <clears throat> this is the stupidest movie I've ever watched. I never watched it because why would I? My wife convinced me to watch it and I regretted it severely. Wish I never wasted m- the money. It's just porn for women. Women think it's good because, quote, they enjoy it, end quote. But if you're a man, you will not enjoy it at all. In my opinion, the movie shouldn't exist and should be treated the same as porn. So, so porn shouldn't exist is what his <laughs> position is here? This is a really confusing man. I don't think he's thought man. that through clearly. No. Like, here, here's the thing. I feel the need at times to defend things that are indefensible. Mm-hmm. Because people dislike them for the wrong reason. People dislike Twilight for the wrong reason. People dislike Fifty Shades for the wrong reason. And usually that wrong reason is because women like it, so it must be bad. No, it's bad for myriad other reasons. (laughs) And you need to sit down and shut up because I'm going to explain to you how bad it is and how wrong it is. And then you can accurately critique it instead of being a misogynist piece of shit. Shut up. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh, apparently Mystery Science Theater 3000 did an episode of um, the original series. Episode 513 of MST3K was The Brain That Wouldn't Die. It was the first movie that was watched by Mike instead of Joel. Oh. I am done with this fucking movie. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fair. I'm, I think I'm... Um, yeah, you know, um, I'm ready to enjoy something that's actually kinky. Yeah. Oh, wait, before we do, um, speaking of things that are kinky, I'm going to give this a firm would not sound. Oh, yeah, no, no fucking way. Never again. No sound. None. None sound. Fuck this thing. You're not going to sound it? No. It's important to note that we are using sound as a verb here. Yeah, always. Is there there any other way? Kink implications. Thanks for listening. We sure didn't. And if someone doesn't respect the fact that you haven't signed an agreement or officially consented to something, you should run. If someone you've just met starts sending you a bunch of gifts and then starts acting like an asshole to you, you should run. If someone starts to, while you're thinking about making a decision, put pressure on you to decide in their favor faster you should run yeah oh if someone ever texts you i'm growing old waiting you should kill them yes yeah bye bye unsound theories is made by danger square productions you can follow us on Tumblr at Danger Square Media or follow Kat and Kira on their respective Tumblrs at ZaftiCat, that's Z-A-F-T-I-K-A-T, and Sapphire-Mess. The best ways to support what we do are leaving five-star reviews on the podcatcher of your choice or telling a friend about the show. If you'd like to support us monetarily to help us keep the lights on, 
you can visit dangersquare.ca where you'll find links to our Patreon. The music used in this episode is Dance on All the Cell Phones by Chris Postel of Sounds Like an Earful. Visit soundslikeanearful.com to hear more of Chris's tracks. Until next time, thanks for listening, because we sure didn't. <laughs> <laughs>